Welcome to the audio podcast, the weekly sermon of the First Presbyterian Church of Brooklyn. We continue our multi-access worship both online in our recently renovated sanctuary. Sunday morning service is in person at 11 a.m. and we are live on firstchurchbrooklyn.org as well as the church Facebook page at facebook.com slash firstchurchbrooklyn. All one word, no spaces. Now, this week's message. Good morning. Will you please pray with me? Gracious God, thank you for gathering us together this morning. We ask for your presence to be here with these words. God, we ask for you to move in our hearts and our minds in whatever way you would have in this morning. In your name we pray, amen. It's good to be back here in this space. My name is Jabe Zeno, as um, Minister Connor introduced me, and I was here at First Church as a seminary intern in 2017 and 2018. And some of you I recognize, some of you are new faces, and um, either way, it's really lovely to be with you this morning, and I look forward to, to getting to know you. Both our scripture readings today invite us to imagine God as a judge. From the prophet Ezekiel, we receive the image of God first as a shepherd, seeking out the scattered sheep, helping the injured and the lost sheep, and destroying the fat and the strong sheep who pushed and butted with their horns. But before that, judging, but before destroying, judging between the strong sheep and the weak sheep, judging which sheep will be helped and which sheep will be destroyed. And from the final chapters of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus tells us this story just days before he is betrayed, arrested, and executed, this story of the Son of Man coming in glory to judge between the sheep and the goats. And the sheep are welcomed into eternal life, while the goats are sent away into the fire of the devil and his angels. They're intense stories with really contrasting imagery. And I want to just take a moment to invite you to notice how you're responding to these images and to these stories in which God is this judge sending some to destruction and some to eternal life. And the reason I want to invite you to just take a pause and notice is that Scripture is one way that we experience God's presence in the world and in our lives. And I think just by paying attention, just by being aware how we're responding to God's presence, it allows us to be more intentional in our relationship with God. If we notice how we're responding to the message, it gives us a little bit of power to to choose and guide ourselves in, in the direction that we might be called in. So I want to just invite you to slow down, take a breath, and just notice, what do these stories of judgment bring up for you? What are the thoughts, the feelings, or the sensations in your body that come up.
Maybe does it feel satisfying to consider God giving out punishment to someone who deserves it? Maybe there's a particular person you have in mind that you would really like to see appear before the throne of God's judgment. Um, Someone who you think really deserves that inescapable punishment. Um, I will admit that I feel some of that. But more, I feel anxious and kind of terrified. I'm aware of ways that I've fallen short, things that I've done or said, and things that I haven't done or said that only God knows about. I certainly remember the times when I've ignored or turned away from someone who was asking for help. It's scary to imagine that maybe that person was God and that I might be judged for that, even if nobody else saw it. And another thing that comes up in these stories of judgment are the fact that the vast majority of my experiences of being judged by another in this world are negative, are dissatisfying, if not infuriating. Judgment in general is not something that I have a positive relationship with. I don't, I'll admit I don't watch a lot of sports on TV and I've probably spent more time watching other people watch sports than I have actually watched the sports myself. Um, Sometimes I think that's more enjoyable, to be honest. Um, But either way, I've seen enough people get enraged at a bad call from the referee to know that even a relatively minor judgment that we disagree with can cause a lot of negative feelings. And just because someone is in a position of authority to make these judgments doesn't mean that they will make them in the right way, and certainly not in the way that that we always agree with. I did run track and field in middle school. I'm going to tell a little story. Um, The meets would be after school or on Saturdays at one of the neighboring schools. And I forget exactly what my events were, but I was more of a sprinter, so I I remember often running the 200 meter. Um, In any case, it wasn't a very professional operation. At the finish line, so there'd be all these kids, they'd run. At the finish line, there'd be some grown-up with a stopwatch who was like calling out the times, and you were supposed to remember the time and tell it to this other person who was like recording the times in a book. I think usually they were, they were parents or volunteers. And I remember at one track meet at a school I had never been to before. After I had run the race, and I think I'd done pretty well, maybe I got second or third, the grown-ups were just flagrantly cheating. They were marking down the times incorrectly so that their team would come out better, right? The home team or whatever that was. There was this kid who had finished behind me in the race who somehow ended up with a time that was better than mine. And I, I you know, I, I was like, what? <laughs> I, I forget exactly what I did, but I, I was really upset. I was furious, I went to my coach, And she was like, yeah, I know, you're not the only person that has said this. Others are complaining too, but we're not videotaping the events. There's not really anything we can do. Just pay really close attention and and stand up for yourself if it happens again. 
And that was a really upsetting experience to me as a kid. And I, as I reflect now, like, yes, it's upsetting. And it's also a, a pretty gentle way to learn that people in power do not always make fair judgments. Um, some children learn at a much younger age and in much more traumatic ways that the world does not judge them in a way that is fair and just. Some, some of us have had to learn in all sorts of different ways that people in power often makes judgments that are motivated by racism, by sexism, by classism, and even apart from individual biases that people have, we know that the economic and social systems of the world are not built fairly. They're built to favor some at the expense of others. So I think it's understandable if the idea of being judged by someone in power and authority makes us uncomfortable. Because our experiences in this world are that authorities are often not to be trusted. The words of the prophet Ezekiel and the words of Jesus in the gospel are speaking into this same world. They're both speaking into a world in which authorities have acted unjustly. Both Ezekiel and Jesus are mourning the harm that has come from human judgments, and they are both inviting God's judgment, which is a different kind of judgment from what we are used to. I think we might sum up some of what they're saying as, as saying the world needs less human judgment and more of God's judgment. And I'd like to take a little bit of time to look at each of the readings and explore the ways that God is showing up in them. Turning to the prophet Ezekiel, we always read scripture and can't help but imagining it into our own life and our own world. But like all prophets, Ezekiel spoke into a particular moment in history. The first chapter of Ezekiel actually begins with the prophet in Babylon. This is around 600 years before the birth of Jesus. And at this time, it was just a few years after the ancient kingdom of Israel had been conquered by the Babylonians. The city of Jerusalem and the temple were destroyed. And the people were brought into exile, into a strange foreign land. Strange and foreign for them. Um, Babylon. And Ezekiel's prophecies are responding to that collective trauma, and they're offering some different ways of processing and making sense of that pain and that loss. In Ezekiel's words today, we receive this image of God going out across all the different lands like a shepherd looking for their scattered sheep. This was an image that spoke directly to people who had been scattered from their homes, who were refugees forced by violence to flee with their families for their lives. And the images of the sheep returning to graze on the mountain pastures of Israel spoke directly to people who had been forcibly and violently removed from their homeland. And among the sheep, 
God finds some who are injured and lost and weak. And when God finds those sheep, she heals them and comforts them. And some of the sheep are strong sheep who used their muscle and their horns to push others out of the way so that they could get what they need for themselves. And God destroys those sheep. So what can we learn from Ezekiel about who God is? We see God wants to comfort the sheep who are wounded. God wants to be reunited and is seeking out all the sheep who are lost. And God wants to bring those sheep back to a place that is safe and beautiful and has everything that they need. And God also wants to know which were the the strong sheep who bullied the weak sheep? Which were the sheep who took care of themselves while their neighbors were sick and hungry? And God wants to destroy those sheep. It's a strong word. And I'm curious, what, where do you see yourself in the image? What kind of sheep do you imagine yourself as? I see myself as a little of both. I certainly have places in my heart where I've been hurt, wounded, bullied, and where I need God's loving care to support me. And I'm also aware there are times and ways that I have put myself first, even when others needed help. And so I pray to God for help to heal the parts of me that need to be healed. And maybe I can pray to God to destroy the parts of me that cause wounds to others. It's a... It's a strong prayer to ask God to destroy a part of ourself. But those are the words that are given to us in Scripture. So I invite you just to sit with that. When we look at at the gospel, we see a similar judgment to what we see in Ezekiel. Except now the Son of Man is coming at the end of the age, to judge between the sheep and the goats. To the sheep, he says, When I was hungry, you fed me, and when I was a stranger, you welcomed me, and when I was in prison, you visited me. And they say, When did we do this, Lord? And he says, As much as you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. And to the goats, he says, I was hungry and you did not feed me, and I was thirsty and you did not give me anything to drink. And they say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and not feed you? And he says, as much as you did not do it to the least of these, you did not do it to me. There are a lot of things I find interesting about this passage. One is the way that it tells us so directly where to look for God in the world. Yes, someday we will meet God before a great throne of judgment. But until then, Jesus seems to be saying, if we want to find God, if we want to find our Lord, we should look among those who are poor, hungry, sick, and incarcerated. 
And the language here is really, it's a really intense image. God is not only with those strangers and with the folks who are hungry and the folks who are in prison. God is that person who is hungry. God is that person who is in prison. And our response to that person is our response to God, our creator. Another thing I notice in the story from the gospel is the surprise that everyone experiences. The righteous are surprised to find themselves righteous. They say, Lord, when did we do this great thing that you say we did? And the unrighteous are just as surprised to find themselves unrighteous. They say exactly the same thing. Lord, what we didn't know, that was you. And so even having this story as a guide to help us identify where God is in the world, I wonder if we should be prepared to be surprised when we meet God. That God will always show up in ways that we are not prepared for and that we don't expect. Or as the person that we don't expect. And so I want to ask you another reflection question here, and I'm asking myself the same thing. First, who are the people, who are the groups of people that you can easily imagine God among? Who are the first folks who come to mind when you hear about the hungry or the sick or those in prison? Who are the ones that you find it easy to serve or appealing to love and care for? And I just want to pause invite you to, to just sit with that. And I have, an, I have another question. Who are the people that you cannot imagine God among? Who are the folks who are hungry, sick, and in prison that you would be resistant to help, that you don't want to help, or that you would prefer to ignore? And I just I want to invite you to consider that God may be there too. The gospel story presents God's judgment as something that happens once at the end of the age, and we know that day will come on God's time, but I want to invite you to welcome God's judgment in advance of that day, and to reflect on the possibility that God's judgment, the judgment we need in the world, is an event and an ongoing process for all of us. As God is creating us day by day in in unique ways into the people that God has destined us to be. And I want to invite you maybe to consider even asking God in your prayers for her judgment. In my experience, it's It's fairly common in Christian spaces to see salvation and the journey of faith framed as being between the individual and God. We pray to God for forgiveness. We are forgiven by God. And the the love and the response kind of flows in this one direction between, between my heart and between God. But as we wrap up, I want to just invite you 
to reflect on how this story from Matthew's Gospel, there's no individual relationship with God. When God, when God, when each of us come before God at the end of the end of the age, whenever that is, our relationship with God exists from all our relationships with other human beings. It's there that our encounter with God happens. And in particular, with those who have needs in our community and in our world. This, our relationship with each other, is inseparable from our relationship with God. It's one and the same thing. It's wrapped up together. And it's in all those tangled relationships that are sometimes comfortable and sometimes uncomfortable that the love of God happens, the judgment of God happens, and where, finally, where our salvation happens as well. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust you were fed as well as challenged by the content. This audio archive supplements a video library of the entire service. The video, along with music from our internationally recognized gospel choir, is available on firstchurchbrooklyn.org. We provide multi-access worship options both in person and online Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We are live in the sanctuary as well as firstchurchbrooklyn.org and the church Facebook page at facebook.com slash firstchurchbrooklyn. All one word, no spaces. Visit firstchurchbrooklyn.org for more information on both online and in-person worship. Remember that now, as always, you are loved.